second reading is from Romans chapter 8, be found on page 1041, from verse 18 to 25, Romans 8, verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of corruption into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labour pains until now. And not only that, but we ourselves, who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope we were saved. Yet hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. Thanks, Tim. My name is Paul. I haven't met you before. It's lovely to see you. Uh, we are doing a, a series called One Question for God. Uh, last week, I looked at what God says about anger and violence. Uh, next week, we're looking at the question, is God anti-women? The week after, just so you can whet your appetite, is uh, God, if you are good, why do bad things happen to me? Good question. Uh, tonight, our question is, what does God say about climate change? What does God say about climate change? I have to admit, I'm still totally out of my depth <laughs> tonight. Uh, I'd far rather preach on a passage, the most obscure verse of the Bible, than this topic. Um, I'm also preaching over at Blues Point Road at 6.15, so I'm not going to be here if you disagree with what I say tonight, so I'm just going to do the dash after this sermon. Um, but it is a, a, a really, really important topic. Um, it's over 10 years since uh, Al Gore did that, that movie, the, uh, the Inconvenient Truth, which really just put climate change on the, the landscape, both politically and personally. Uh, and, and 10 years later, I actually think climate change is one of the most contentious, divisive, uh, complex, emotionally charged issues, and everyone has an opinion on it. Uh, both ends of the spectrum, people have opinions and every place in between. Uh, to put it really simply, I think you've got one end of the spectrum, the, uh, the, uh, the greenest of greens who say it is the most moral, crucial, uh, justice, environmental issue of their generation. And then you've got the, the skeptics who say it is all a load of rubbish, it's all scientifically flawed, it's pure scaremongery. And then the two ends of the spectrum, and I'm guessing we all sit here at some point on that spectrum here tonight. Uh, I want to navigate these choppy waters, uh, not from a political viewpoint, uh, but from a personal and a biblical viewpoint. Uh, let me just define what I mean by climate change. When, when people use the word weather, what, what they mean by the word weather is the environmental conditions on a particular day. Uh, climate is the 
the environmental conditions over a longer period of time. So climate change is just the way that the, the Earth's temperature has changed over a, a significant period of time. And climate change is now the popular term that's used. It used to be global warming, uh, although about 20, 30 years ago it's global cooling, and so now they just say climate change. Okay? The other, other important terminology is, is greenhouse gas effects, and you know this, that, you know, that fossil fuels, uh, they sort of produce carbon dioxide into the atmosphere, into the environment. Uh, you've also got nitrous oxide and, and methane that's produced by farming, and all these different things go into the atmosphere, into the environment, and they can alter the, the, the uh, temperature of the Earth's surface. That's the basic sort of scientific stuff. And so the climate change theory is that uh, the climates have basically been fixed for, for thousands of years, but since the Industrial Revolution, as we've uh, used, burned more fossil fuels and chopped down more trees, that the climate has changed dramatically. Uh, and the, the scientific research suggests that over the last 100 years, there's been an increase of the, the average global temperature by about 0.6 degrees. That is significant. And so they talk about things like ice melting uh, more rapidly and sea levels are rising. You've got impredictable rainfalls. You've got these extreme weather events. And the post-industrial carbon dioxide has spiked at levels sort of never seen before in the past thousand years. And the claim, I guess, is that uh, we as human beings, we are responsible we are responsible for the change in the climates by the way that we care for and, and use uh, this earth. Um, and as I say, you've got this whole spectrum of opinions. Um, to quote someone, the Intergovernmental Panel on Climate Change, the IPCC, uh, their claim is that uh, the temperatures will rise by up to 4.8 degrees centigrade by the year 2100. So by the end of the century, temperature increased by up to 4.8 degrees centigrade. That is significant. Uh, and water levels, sea levels will rise by 18 to 54 centimeters. And that means that you'll wipe out a whole load of coastal regions. Primarily, actually, the, the poorer people will be affected by that. Uh, and then you've got the other end of the spectrum, the skeptics who say it's one big lie, no scientific proof, and they're often the, the angry one. Um, the problem is that no one really disagrees. No one can agree on anything. Uh, evangelical Christians don't agree on this topic at all either. Uh, so one minute tonight is say, what does the Bible say? What is really happening? And how should we respond? There are three kind of things tonight. What does the Bible say on this important topic? It's funny, if you talk, do, a, do some sort of research on what the Bible says, often Christians say, oh, well, not a lot. And I disagree with that. I think God says a lot. Because God is our creator. God created this earth. God loves science. God loves climate. And so, of course, he's got a lot to say about it. Let's run through a few things. Uh, number one, God created the atmosphere. That's really important. Uh, go back to Genesis chapter 1. It says in, Gen in Genesis chapter 1, in the, beginning, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. There was, there was a moment in time where God spoke and this world came into being. Now, when did God create the atmosphere, the environment, if you want? It's not on day one. It was most certainly there by day two when he separated the waters from the sky. 
And he created this, this sky where the birds would fly on day five. And the atmosphere that God created was designed by God to support life. He created an atmosphere where plants could grow and birds could fly and animals could live and human beings can breathe and flourish. And that is really important. Uh, this environment, this atmosphere was not evolved. You know, it's, it's n- it was not this ever-changing mixture of gases which billions of years ago were poisonous to human life but then suddenly over time evolved to the point where they, sh- they could support human life. Now God created an atmosphere with the right amount of carbon dioxide that plants could, could grow and a sufficient oxygen for people to breathe. God created that, and God can, cons- can sustain that. Number two, God created plants. Uh, look at the equation account. Verse 11. Then God said, let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and fruit trees on the earth, bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. Now come down to verse 29. God says, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This food will be for you, human beings, and for all the wildlife of the earth, for every bird of the sky, for every creature that crawls on the earth, everything having the breath of life in it, I've given every green plant for food. Let's just stop and think about that. You ever, you ever walked in God's creation and just had your eyes open to the, the beauty of God's plant life and God's vegetation? The intricacies of the most beautiful flower with the beautiful petal and the, the stamens, and they're, they're just so gorgeous and intricate. And then you've got the, the magnificence of, of the forest with the huge trees and everything in between it. And it's all created by God. But why did God create vegetation and plants? What was the purpose? It tells you there that God gives it to us as human beings and the animals for food. That's not the only purpose, but that's part of the purpose. Now, I, I personally think that when we were first created, we were all vegetarians. I think that only, we only became carnivores post-flood, if you disagree on, on that, if you want to. But if you remember your school science lesson uh, in photosynthesis, that the plants remove the carbon dioxide from the environment and replace it with, with oxygen, that's the way it works. But God created those plants. Just hold on to that. And then God created men and women humanity. Now what's our role? Verse 28. God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. So we've given this this unique role in creation. Now now we are not separate from creation. That's really important. We are part of creation. We can't sit above creation and say we are more important. God made us as men and women to live in his world and to care for his creation. That word rule doesn't mean that we dominate and we can do whatever we want with God's creation. We're his humble stewards, his representatives here on earth. I think steward is a great word. We're to steward his creation. 
let me explain to steward. So say I've got something precious to me. Let's take my, my violin. It's precious to me. Uh, and I'm going away for a few years. I say, I'm going to leave this with you. Would you steward it for me? That basically means that you're going you're gonna to use it. You're going to care for it. You're going to treat it as precious. So when I come back and say, here's my violin. Where's my violin? You're going to return it to me. And you've looked after it. And you cared for it. That's the kind of word that's used here. Genesis 2, verse 15. The Lord God took the man, placed him in the garden to work it and to watch over it. Other translations say protect it, guard it. Do you get the idea? We're to take care of God's creation. As part of being a human being is to care for the environment, to care for the world, to care for creation to steward it for today and for tomorrow. And I do believe that we're going to be held accountable on the last day, not just for the way that we've lived here as human beings, but the way we've cared for God's creation. I'll go further than that. I, I don't think it's possible to be human and, and really bear the image of God if we have no regard for the world that God's placed us in. Interestingly, though, when, you, when you come to, to Genesis 3, when humanity sinned. Just look at Genesis 3, verse 17. It said, The ground is cursed because of you, human beings. Verse 18, It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the fields. What, what, what did creation do wrong? What did the earth do wrong at this point? Nothing really. We were the ones that sinned, but actually what this verse says is that creation bears the consequence of men's sin, of women's sin. So a broken relationship between us and God does have an impact on the environment, on the world that we live in. And number four, God cursed or God judged the earth with a flood. I could go more into that. But that's an interesting point in this, in this whole debate as well, is that if you believe that, there was a period of time where most of the, of the plants and, and the vast majority of the animals were all killed. <laughs> you know, and the, the, uh, that's where you get most of our, our fossil fuels from, really. But I do want to say this. God is in control of his creation. Part of this whole debate, you've got to believe that there is, there is not just a creator, but a sustainer in this world. That God ultimately decides when it's going to rain and how hot it's going to be and whether there's going to be storms. God is in control of that. It says in Psalm 147, Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving. Play the lyre to our God, who covers the sky with clouds. He prepares rain for the earth. He causes the grass to grow on the hills. He provides the animals with their food and the young ravens what they cry for. He spreads snow like wool. He scatters frost like ashes. He throws hailstones like crumbs. And who can withstand his cold? This whole debate, we are not ultimately in control, but, but God is. You've got to believe that. And you've also got to believe that this world is not going to go on forever. That was never the purpose. God's going to recreate or redeem or restore whatever word you want to use. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Let's flick over to Romans 8. 
Romans 8 verse 19 says this. Creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation, that is the earth, was subject to, to, to futility. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected that, that is God. In the hope that creation itself will be liberated or set free from the bondage of decay or corruption. Verse 22, we know the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. And that does describe our world, doesn't it? Groaning, cyclones and earthquakes and floods and droughts. All these horrific things happening in creation. Groaning is a great word. So what is God waiting for? Why doesn't God just recreate his world now? And the answer is he's waiting for us. He's waiting for men and women to, to, to know God, to enjoy that redemption. But one day there will be a new creation. I'm not going to go in now whether I believe God's going to recreate or restore or redeem. You can disagree on that. But the point is that this, this, this world is not all there is. And creation is groaning. Now the wrong application of that is this. Please don't say to me, because there's going to be a new creation, we can just trash this one. That is a wrong application. That's horrendous, isn't it? No, we're called to be stewards. We're called to care, care for and to protect this environment. The other thing I want to say is, is that God calls us to love our neighbor. That is a, a great command throughout the whole scriptures, to love your neighbor. And so we've got to take that command seriously. We've got to love. Who, who are our neighbors? Everybody. You might not know that part of the people most impacted by climate change are the poor and the needy and the destitute. Let me just read a quote from Tiffen. These are personal quotes from people who live in the developing world. The climate has changed and the the rainy season has become unpredictable. The water levels fall year by year and some kinds of animals and vegetation have disappeared. The future is very bleak. The rain doesn't come at the right time anymore. People start cultivating and there is no rain. Then it comes after a month and so the seeds die and again we have, again we have to plant new seeds. From Mexico, we, ex we expect the impacts of a changing climate to increase with a a greater area of our country becoming desert, more woods and jungles being lost, torrential rains, hurricanes, and greater seasonal instability. And I think that's when whatever you believe about climate change, it, it, it can become a justice issue. Because the developing world contributes a tiny, tiny percentage of greenhouse gases, yet they, impact, they feel the impact the most. And we're called to love our, our, our children and grandchildren, aren't we? We're called to love the generation that come after us in terms of the way that we treat God's word. So I think God has a lot to say. He created the environment. He created plants. He created us. He controls the weather. He's ultimately going to recreate this world. But he places us here as stewards, as guardians, to care for his word. What's really happening with climate change? short answer is something is happening, but not exactly sure what or why. 
And you might disagree with me on that, but I've read a lot of stuff. Uh, there is a whole bunch of scientists who believe this and a whole bunch who believe this. But what, we, what we, we've got to agree on is that, is that there has been climate change. The Earth's temperature is definitely changing. And we've got, we are seeing the impacts of that. You can't deny that. You can't ignore that. But having said that, we've also got to acknowledge that, that there's always been climate change. And so back in the, the 900s, 1000s, 1100s, there was global warming. And then you had a mini ice age. There's been change in climate for all of time. And this is where I, I put my mathematician's head on as I sort of analyze the data. I kind of go, yeah, temperature is rising, definitely is rising. But then you read the data and the margin of error is like 1.1 degrees centigrade either way. And you kind of go, well, I'm just not sure. What's caused it? Is it all down to human activity? Is it primarily a burning of fossil fuels? Is it about deforestation industry? I, I think yes. But again, let's not be too simple. Of course, the way that we treat coal and oil and gas, of course that has impact on the environment. But is it, is it purely down to us? I'm just not sure. What will happen in the future? If these predictions are, are right, they are scary. You know, temperature rises of 4.8 degrees centigrade by the end of the century, that is scary. Melting of the polar ice caps, that is scary. Sea levels rising, that is scary. The, the World Health Organization's talking about all these resurgent diseases, that is scary. So what do we do about it? Whether you agree with the data or not, I think we all are responsible to take good care of God's world and God's be stewards of his creation. I love this response by Professor John Holdren, who is president of the American Association of Advancement of Science. I think it's a brilliant analogy, and I hope you get it. He says this. The current situation of the world in relation to climate change is that we are in a car with bad brakes driving towards a cliff in the fog. The fog is the scientific uncertainty about the details that prevent us from knowing exactly where the cliff is. The climate change skeptics are telling us that the fog is a consolation and we shouldn't worry because we're uncertain about the details. But any sane person driving a car towards a cliff in the fog and knowing the brakes are bad and it takes the car a long time to stop will start putting on the brakes and trying to slow the car down without knowing exactly where the cliff is or even if there is a cliff in the hope that by putting on the brakes we'll be in time from going over the cliff. Does that make any sense with you? Whether there's a cliff or not, it makes sense to put the brakes on now. And you might be the biggest skeptic here in the room, but we're still called to put the brakes on and to care for and steward God's creation. Psalm 24, verse 1. The earth and everything in it belongs to the Lord. That is true. Genesis 2, 15. We're called to work and watch over the earth. Romans 13, verse 10, we're called to love our neighbor. 
that we're told to care for creation, we're told to care for people, we're told to care and seek justice for the marginalized. So let me ask you a simple question. Who do you think is ultimately responsible for looking after this earth? Who is ultimately responsible? It's not the governments, not primarily. It's not just the big corporations, is it? Who, who is responsible? I think every single person is responsible. Every individual has some responsibility for the way that we treat God's creation. So what can we do? A few tips. Whether, whether there is climate change or not, these are good principles for living in God's world. Number one, reduce. Reduce your carbon emissions. We know they produce carbon dioxide, so let's reduce them. How do you do that? Really simple. No, drive your car less and walk more. As you walk more, you might actually enjoy God's creation more. Really simple. Walk into a, into a shop and you see the appliances with the energy rate. Read them. Like people, they're there for a reason. Really simple. Like turn your lights off or replace your bulbs with energy efficient bulbs. Will that make a difference? Yes, it will. Yes, it will. Just eat little tiny incremental differences. It does matter. What else can we do? Simple acts like writing on both sides of the paper before you chuck them in a bin. Tiny little thing, it will make a small difference. Recycle. Will my modest bit of recycling make a difference? Yes, it will. Just a small little difference. Refuse to listen to the voices that shout loud to say, you know, chuck it, chuck it, chuck it, keep it, keep it, keep it. No, reuse it. And then we can just pray. You know, please pray for the governments as they make wise decisions. Please pray for the scientists. There might actually be some clarity of what's really happening. But before you say, what if this is all a false alarm? What if there is no climate change? Ever been in a s remember those school fire alarms used to go off, or maybe your, your work fire alarm goes off? What, what if it's a false alarm? And you leave your desk and you trundle downstairs and you stand outside and say, oh, it's a false alarm. But aren't you glad that the alarm actually worked and it was a false alarm? No, I, I honestly don't know. I don't know whether I'm here or whether I'm here. I'm probably somewhere here in the middle. But whether it's all just a false alarm or not, then we can actually steward God's world and steward God's creation better by just caring for it, can't we? Caring for God's world, caring for God's environment. You don't have to go all out green. You can just make a small difference in your attitude and your behavior. Love the marginalized. Love the generation to come. Love God's creation. Ultimately, he's in charge. And the last thing to say is this. Don't, don't be scared. No, don't be scared by climate change. Remember, God's on his throne. God is ruling God ultimately controls the weather. Let me pray.